Good evening, Central Park Baptist Church. Good evening to y'all. How are we doing this evening? Everyone's doing okay? Amen. Glad to hear. Glad to hear it. If you're able to rise, we're going to open up with hymn 472. Hymn 472. I think we'll go ahead and do all verses. Hymn 472. Uh, follow on, follow on. Hymn 472. for today. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to be here uh, this evening. We ask that you bless our service in a powerful way. May everything we do and say and say and sing, may they glorify your name today. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Turn over to him number, I don't remember, 490. He said 479. 479. Amen. Him 479. I am resolved. No longer to linger. We'll do this again. <laughs> Y'all are so excited tonight. I am resolved. 479, sing along. Uh, I am resolved to no longer to linger. Charmed by the world. Delight. Things that are higher. Things that are nobler. So glad and 
something when I woke up this morning. I think it was 36 this morning when I woke up. This is flu and cold at weather when you do this. Amen with all the heat and the warmth. So uh, um, just uh, stay, uh, pay attention to the weather and dress accordingly. Amen. We want you to stay well. Amen. Don't forget about 24 and 24 this Sunday at 930 in the morning, 830 in the morning, 830, 830 in the morning. 
24 and 24. We're looking for 24 folks to meet with us every first Sunday of the year 2024 to come and pray with us. Uh, men, women, children, everyone's invited to come and be a part of our 24 and 24. We meet at, uh, at 830. If you want to pray out loud, you can pray out loud. If you want to pray silently, we can pray silently. If you just want to sit there like a bump on the log, that's what I do best. Uh, and so you just come be a part of our 24 and 24. Don't forget about uh, men's prayer breakfast this Saturday. Men's prayer breakfast this Saturday at March 2nd at 8.30 in the morning. We'll meet in the fellowship hall. We'll meet and have breakfast together, uh, consisting of we'll have some biscuits, I'm sure. And Brother Smith isn't here, but I'm sure tonight. Uh, but I'm sure he's going to be making gravy. Brother, uh, brother, I don't know where Brother uh, Coy's at. Uh, but I know he's our main cook. Is, we getting gravy or not? We're going to get gravy? All right. We're gonna, we'll have some eggs. Bacon, eggs, and biscuits. I don't know of a better breakfast. Amen? Amen. Uh, might add Cheerios in there. I don't know. But uh, uh, it would be an exciting time. 8.30 in the morning. We'll meet Saturday morning. We'll have our breakfast. Then we'll have a devotional. And then we'll break up into uh, groups and, and pray for our church, pray for the work that God's having us to do here at Central Park Baptist Church. Prayer is what makes this church go forward. I was talking to Brother Yule before the service, and we were talking about some things from the past. And, and one of the things I said was we have prayer meetings about stuff all the time in the past. We don't so much do it anymore as we used to do it in America. Um, we used to have all-night prayer meetings in America. And that's what, by the way, that's what kept America right. But today, we're not keeping America right because we're not doing the prayer that it takes. So we need your help, men, to come and pray with us. 8.30 this Saturday morning. You don't have to be a member of Central Park Baptist Church to come. We just want you to come, eat breakfast with us, listen to the devotion. I think Brother John Begay, one of our deacons. Is that you, brother? Yeah, is, is giving a devotion uh, th this uh, Saturday. And then we'll, uh, we'll pray together because prayer changes everything. Amen. Prayer changes everything. And then don't forget, um, soul winning right after that, 930 in the morning. We'll go out door to door soul winning, telling people about Jesus Christ. You got to do that, too. Amen. Listen, you say, well, I, I, no, I've never brought somebody in through soul winning. You have, but you didn't know it. Brother, uh, I remember, uh, oh, I don't know, three years ago. How long have you been here, brother? A little over three years ago. Uh, about six months before they came, Preacher and I were out knocking doors in their neighborhood, and his wife came out and was checking the mail, and we talked with her. And I don't know if we had any influence in their mind at that time of what we gave her some material, told her what we were there for. She told us that she went to church. Uh, Myrna doesn't want to go to church most of the time. No, uh, she uh, uh, and, and I'm sure she shared that with Aaron, but before you know it, uh, I was gone. I came back from being on the road, and they were here. And I thought, man, isn't that marvelous? And there's other people that have come simply because a trash was left at their door or a package, a packet was left at their door. By the way, ladies, we need help making packets. We have about 10 left, and that's all. And, uh, but we, we, we leave these things, and people come to church as a result of that. Amen? People you don't expect. See, God just told us to go and do what we could do, and he will give the increase. He sends people in, maybe even people we never even talked to out there. Right. 
but he sends them because we were faithful to do what he commanded us to do. And I want to encourage you to be a part of that. And then I also want to remind you that Brother uh, Clark is, is having a uh, financial counseling uh, available to folks that want to learn more about their finances. If you have never lived on a budget, he could teach you how to do that. Uh, if you want to learn how to save for retirement, uh, he could teach you how to do that. If you're a young person and you really one day would like to start your own business and work for yourself, he could teach you how to prepare for that, how to get that business going, and how to make it succeed financially. He knows all of those things. He's got a master's degree in, in whatever that is, you know, dickering on numbers. And that, and, but he's got a master's degree in business, uh, and uh, he, he's also studying other things, counseling and other stuff. Uh, from a Christian perspective, to learn how to help us the best he can. And if you haven't, it's all free. And if you could take advantage of it, it'd be profitable for you. And I want to encourage you to do that. How many would like to retire one day? How would you like to retire with money in your pocket so you didn't have to work? Let me try this again. <laughs> Amen? Uh, but you can't do it if you don't know how to take care of your money. Amen? And money's a tool, and I want to encourage you to learn how to use that tool for God's glory, for God's honor, and for your benefit. Amen? God doesn't intend for us to be poor. We get poor because we don't know how to use our money correctly. We're the wealthiest nation in the world. Americans are. Our poor people are the wealthy people in most other countries. Our poor people. And so most of the time we end up with nothing because... We just don't know how to make it work for us. And he can help you do that. I hope you have a prayer sheet tonight. If you need a prayer sheet, would you hold your hand up? Brother Robbie has some prayer sheets, and he'll happy to give some out if you need one. Anybody need one? Oh, good. Everybody got one. Good. Uh, let's look at our prayer sheet. Don't forget to pray for our, our, our nation. Pray for our president. Pray for the Congress. Pray for the election here uh, coming up on March 5th here in the state of Texas. Amen. Pray that you vote for the right person that God wants in. Amen. Uh, I, and my wife and I were sitting in my office today, and we went over the, a number of the candidates that are running for office in our area, and I wanted to know them. I want to know what they believe. I want to know. I, I, listen, there are some people that I found out were Christians who believe. And the first thing they said in the material that they had is, I'm a, I'm a child of Jesus Christ. He is my Savior. I am his servant, and I want to glorify God with what I'm doing. Well, that immediately got my attention. That's the kind of person I want in office, someone who wants to have Jesus rule them, overrule their opinion to go with the direction that God wants them in. Not everybody's like that. Amen? Uh, anyway, uh, so it's important for us to research who we're going to vote for, find out what the best things to do are for the sake of our state, and the sake of our nation, amen? Our nation is about to explode. Some folks say, well, I don't think there's ever going to be a civil war. But what you don't understand is there already is. It's just a bullet-lit civil war right now. There is a battle right now between the state of Texas and the federal government. And that's, that's what civil war is. One group saying, we can't do what, what you're telling us to do. We've got to do what the right thing is. And in the, the, the state of Texas is trying to do the right thing. 26 other state governors said, we're trying to do the right thing. But then you've got 24 other states out there or 23 other states out there that say we're doing the wrong thing. That's a splitting in the country that's taking place. And there's a lot of things we need to be concerned with. 
And it all starts with us praying as a team to lead those prayers. Amen? The federal government doesn't work for us. We do not work for the federal government. feels that way when you get your paycheck, don't it? Uh, but they work for us. And the only way that they're going to work for us is if we vote in those like people who understand the truth of the Constitution. And that depends on our prayer life. So I want you to pray about those things. Pray for our local and state government. Pray for the election coming up on the 5th. Um, uh, pray for those who have been sick. Continue to pray for Brother Bob Martin. I saw a picture of him the other day. Uh, boy, he's lost a lot of weight. He looks really weak. He's still using oxygen, but he's, still, he, he's recovering. Amen. So please be praying for him. Continue to pray for our lady who are expecting uh, uh, Miss Carly. She's here tonight. Continue to pray for her that the baby would come easily. Amen. Uh, without a lot of issues, the baby would be saved early in their life. And that she doesn't kill it be, uh, trying to discipline it. I mean, um, that, uh, that she would have wisdom well beyond her years laying down, uh, rearing those children for the glory and honor of Jesus Christ. Pray for uh, Cora for the same thing. Uh, those who are not a member here, Cora's family also is here. And so pray, please pray for her. Uh, continue to pray for Ron, Brother Ron Ortham, who's here tonight. Continue to pray for Miss Daphne. Uh, she's here tonight. It's good to see her. Uh, continue to pray for Jerry Johnson. She was here on Sunday for both services. Amen. And that's great for Miss Jerry. Uh, continue to pray for Miss Jackson. She tried to come Sunday, but some things came up and she wasn't able to make it. Uh, but continue to pray for those that are sick. Continue to pray for our church finances that, that go far to meet the needs of the, of the work here that glorifies God. Continue to pray for the people on our list for salvation. Uh, our missionary of the week is the King family, Kirk King and his family there in Albania. Uh, pray for them. Pray for Brother Ed. He is our family of the week all by himself. He's a family guy. Uh, pray for Brother Ed. Brother Ed needs a lot of prayer. He's out of uniform tonight, I noticed. <laughs> and so um, pray for those who are our first responders that are on our list. Let's just pray for God's glory in all that we do. Amen. So let's go ahead and we'll, we'll pray. I'm not going to pray for everybody on the list. I want you to take the list home, and I want you to pray about the list at home. Amen. Father, thank you for today, and thank you for this time that we can pray together as a church family. I ask that you uh, would be with our hearts and minds as we pray, uh, and help us as we pray. For, I ask, Lord, that you'd be with our president, convince and convict them that they need to be saved. I ask that you'd be with our Congress and our Supreme Court, that they would follow your leadership and not their own. I ask that you use our state and local governments, be with our governor, be with our representatives, our mayors, our judges, um, uh, our Supreme Court here in the state of Texas. Father, that your people would get into the position of, in office that would glorify your name in the things that we do in our state of Texas and in the United States of America. I ask, Lord, that you'd be with Brother Bob Martin, continue to help him. I ask that you'd be with, uh, with Carly as she's expecting. Uh, continue to guide and direct Brother Ron and his, and his doctors uh, and with Miss Fenwick as well. Continue to bless Dennis and Susan. I ask that you'd be with their, their bo his body and strengthen him. Uh, be with Miss Erica as she's going to be starting uh, treatments again very soon here for her cancer. Continue to, uh, Lord, that you continue to heal her, give her strength, and help her to overcome all the difficulties of that medication may bring. We ask that you convict and convict Eddie Lutz of his need to be saved. Uh, we ask that you be with uh, uh, Judson Beecher and, and convict him of his need to be saved. Thank you for our first responders, <coughs> those that are on uh, in, in the military, those that are police officers, 
that they protect us and help us have safe streets, places where we could walk and go, and they protect us from the evil doer. I thank you, Lord, that you are a God that hears and answers prayer. I ask that you be with our service tonight. Fill Brother uh, Ewell with the power of your Holy Spirit as he brings forth your word to us tonight. I ask that you be with our hearts and our minds and open our ears and our hearts to the truth as we receive it, as you would have us to receive it and apply it to our lives. We love you. We ask that you be with our pastor and Mrs. White as they've been traveling, having a little time this week to do some things, uh, with some baseball games and spring training and other things that they've been doing. I ask that you keep them safe as they come home to us here in the next few days. And, and Lord, help them come back refreshed and ready to go for your glory and for your honor. Thank you for the privilege you've given us as a church family to pray. And thank you for giving us the privilege of being able to give to you. Bless the offering we're about to receive for your glory and honor. We ask that you be with this family now. Amen. If you have an offering, come and uh, give it at this time. Now, what we'd like to, for you to do at this time is rise one more time uh, for hymn 468, hymn 468. Joy unspeakable at the conclusion of this hymn. Please greet each other at the conclusion of this hymn and then prepare your hearts for uh, tonight's uh, message. Joy unspeakable, hymn 468. And then after us, greet each other. Oh, uh. 
Amen. Oh, yeah, I can hear myself. I'm, I'm pretty hot there, pretty hot, pretty hot. Amen and amen. I'm excited to be back in the house of the Lord here at Central Park Baptist Church. I thank you all for uh, praying for me during the time that I was out. And I know it's because of your prayers uh, that the Lord answered those prayers, and I'm back with you uh, this evening. Amen. Amen. I'm just so excited to be a born-again, blood-bought, scripturally baptized, King James Bible-believing, devil-hating child of God. And yeah, I said devil-hating because I hate the devil. I hate the devil with a perfect hatred. You know why? Because he's destroyed marriages. He's destroyed families. He has broken fellowship in, in many local New Testament churches. He has destroyed friendships. And I can't wait that according to Revelation 20 and 10... This isn't my message. I'm going to get to it. I can't wait until Revelation 20 and 10 where the devil and his imps are going to be cast into the lake of fire. Now, you know what? In my own mind, I'm imagining I'm going to be there and I'm going to have, well, I know I'm going to be there, but I'm, I'm imagining I'm going to have me a fishing pole and I'm going to put some uh, Jiffy Pop uh, a bag on the end of it and I'm going to put it over the lake of fire and let it heat up and pop up and get all hot and toasty and then I'm going to draw it back in and I'm going to sit down and open up that bag of popcorn and watch the fireworks. Amen. Amen and amen. I am Yule Shelton. My pronouns are thee and thou and I approve of this message. Y'all can tell I just got back from the west coast, huh? I'd like to thank the, the pastor, Brother Marco, and all of you for allowing me another opportunity, first opportunity, hopefully not the last, to, <laughs> maybe the last after tonight, to be able to grace this pulpit yet again and to share with you uh, a message that the, the Lord has uh, laid on my heart. So, uh, at this time, we're going to pray that we don't have any sloppy agape. Okay, that everything is going to be the truth of God's word that we rightly divide his word this evening. And with that, if you're able to rise, I'd love to invite your attention to 1 Thessalonians 5 and 21. And if I get a chance, I'll explain why it's important for us to rise at the reading of God's word. Now, uh, going to 1 Thessalonians, you got uh, in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. 
All right, you got your Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and then you're going to get into your T-books, which would be 1 Thessalonians. We're going to go to 1 Thessalonians 5.21. If you wind up in 2 Thessalonians uh, or the Timothys or the Titus, you've gone too far to your right. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 21. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 21. Let me know that you're there by a hearty amen. 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 And it reads as follows. It says, prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Amen. Amen. Now, you know, I'm, I, there was so many things. 2024 has come in with a bang. Satan has just come out swinging. And there's just so much havoc that he's already, we're not even out of the second month. And so there's a lot of things that I want to talk about. Brother Tracy, I'm not going to even mention that this is the 103rd week that uh, the government has declared the church non-essential. I'm I'm not going to even bring that up. (laughs) But I would like to talk to you about um, the King James Bible and do a continuing study on that. So um, I don't really have a topic or a subject for tonight. But if I did... It would be called, Why We Use the King James Bible, Part 2. Why We Use the King James Bible, Part 2. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray, Father, that, um, Lord, that, that you work a special work here tonight. Lord, these beloved people have come, Lord, because they have a longing uh, and a yearning, Lord, to hear from, from heaven. And so, Father, I just pray, Lord, that you'll grant that request, Lord, that uh, you'll uh, allow me to be used by you, Father, and, Father, that uh, the, the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be acceptable in thy sight, for you are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Now, I want to talk a little more about the, uh, the King James Bible because something came up here maybe about a, a month or so ago about it where, you know, the critics are, are saying that the King James Bible is not a reliable translation because it's not based upon the originals, right? Because if you have an original text and then somebody makes a copy of it, they transcribe it, and then somebody else makes a copy of that, and then they make a copy of that, and they, and they make a copy of that, uh, a lot of uh, King James Bible critics believe that there is something that's always lost in the translation. And so while they do not call their versions of, of, of what they would call the Bible, you know, like the ESV, the NIV, the TLB, the, the HOV, the, the SUV, the, uh, the COVID, the H, you know, all of these other versions, while they wouldn't call their versions uh, perfect, uh, they criticize the King James Bible because they say the King James Bible is not based upon the original Hebrew Old Testament and the original uh, you know, Greek New Testament, all right? And uh, the critics argue that without the ability to compare our current text with the original text, that it's impossible to know if certain passages have been accurately preserved or if changes and errors have been introduced. It's impossible. This is what the Bible scholars say. But here's the thing. In, in my Bible, in my King James Bible, in the Word of God for English-speaking people, 
Matthew 19, 26 and Mark 10, 20, Mark 10, 27 say that with God, all things are possible. Amen? So we're not, we're not talking about people who are, who are copying from the original text and things get translated over time to mean something totally different. Maybe that's true for man if he's dealing with, with some text that's outside of the text of God. But you see, God promised us in both the Old Testament and the New Testament that he would preserve his word. Amen. All right? And, and so uh, turn with me to uh, the book of Psalm real quick. Let's look at Psalm 12.6 because I don't want you to take my word for anything. I want you to just take what the word of God says. The book of Psalm, if you turn to like the middle of your Old Testament, you should hit Psalm and go to the 12th chapter. Excuse me, I think I said 12th verse. I meant the 12th chapter. The 12th chapter. And y'all have already beat me there. Uh, 12, 6, and 7. 12, 6, and 7. It says, the words of the Lord are what kind of words? Pure words as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Okay, so you either believe in, that, in those verses or you don't. And I believe the problem is I don't think the, those who support the NIV, the ESV, the TOB, you know, the, the other uh, fake tr Bible translations, I don't think they truly believe that God can preserve his word, which I find ridiculous because God spoke into existence everything that's in the universe in six days. You mean to tell me that he can't tell a man, okay, write down, thou shalt not kill. Now, when you copy it, make sure you do it the same way you did here. And when your son and grandson copy, make sure they do it the same way. I believe God can preserve his word Amen. from copies and copies and copies. And then also when it comes to the translation, because you have to keep in mind, God created the languages. You don't believe me? Read Genesis 11. Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40. So you're going from Psalm, you're going to have uh, Psalms, Proverbs, and then you have uh, uh, Ecclesiastic, Song of Solomon, and then you should hit Isaiah. If you wind up in Jeremiah, uh, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, you've gone too far to your right. Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40 and 8. Isaiah 40 and 8. Are you there? Isaiah 40 and 8 says the following. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Amen. Now you either believe that or you don't. That's not poetry right there. Some people may interpret it. Oh, the flowers fadeth and you know, all of this. But no, this is not poetry. This is the promise from God that he's going to preserve his word. Now, you got Old Testament proof there. Let's get some New Testament proof. Go to the book of Matthew. Matthew 24. Matthew 24. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. Matthew 24. Matthew 24. Matthew 24. And let's check out verse 35. It's a familiar passage. Are we there? Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Amen. Amen. So you either believe that or you don't. And I believe that those who use the King James Bible just have faith enough to know that God can preserve his word and that God will preserve his word and that God keeps his promises. Amen. Uh, let God be true and every man a liar. All right. God keeps his promises. Let's get one more proof text. We'll get it out of 1 Peter. Now, I like to get the first Peter from the back because it's just less thumbing to go through. 
So you'll have Revelation, Jude, 3 John, 2 John, 1 John, 2 Peter, 1 Peter. Revelation, Jude, 3 John, 2 John, 1 John, 2 Peter, 1 Peter. If you wind up in James, Hebrews, you've gone too far to your left. Let's try 1 Peter in the first chapter. 1 Peter in the first chapter. And, of course, I can't find it. I'm telling you guys where to go. <laughs> 1 Peter 1 and 25. 1 Peter 1 and 25. Are you there? Look what it says. But the word of the Lord endureth for how long? Forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. I mean, you got to think about it. If God didn't preserve his word, we wouldn't even be here because we wouldn't have heard the gospel. Somebody had to copy it and copy it and copy it and copy it. And then ultimately it had to be translated into English, and, and you say, well, why is the English version of God's word so important? Well, you have to think back, uh, going back to the New Testament, everything was translated into Greek. Greek was, at that time, the lingua franca of that era, which meant it was the language of commerce. So people had to learn Greek in order to do business 2,000 years ago. Well, let's fast forward to today, and God knew this was coming, he wanted a perfect Bible in, a, in a, a, a perfect preserved word of God in a perfect Bible for English-speaking people because why? Every major metropolitan city or foreign country in the world, their citizens are learning English. They're learning, you can go to China, they're learning English. You can go to Brazil, they're learning English as a second language. All these other countries are learning English. God knew that. So he said, we're going to let this King James Bible given to English-speaking people, which, by the way, is the, historically the best-selling book of all time. It is estimated that there have been five to seven billion copies of the Holy Bible distributed around the world. All right. But you see, that's God just knowing where the world was going to go. You have to think about this, too. The Internet was invented in America. It wasn't invented in, in Russia. So people around the world had to pick up and learn some English so that they could uh, have access to the Internet. They have Russian websites and Chinese websites and all that, but 90% of the Internet is English. And so for the kids to keep up, they got to learn what language? The king's English. All right? And so this is another reason why I believe. And then in Ecclesiastes 8 and 4, I'm sorry, I'm just going back and forth here. Ecclesiastes 8 and 4, it says, where the word of the king is, there is power. Now, is there any power if somebody were to say, you should not steal? Nah. Thou shall not steal. Which, which exhibits more power? The, the book that was authorized by a king. <laughs> okay, not saying that uh, King James was the perfect guy or whatever, but it doesn't matter because God uses all types of vessels, including unclean ones, in order to accomplish his will. All right, ravens are considered unclean animals, but they were used to bring food to one of God's prophets, even though they're unclean animals. And that prophet ate that, the, the flesh that the, that the ravens brought. That prophet ate that flesh because he knew that was God using those unclean animals to bring a blessing to him. So we could talk about, well, King James was this. It doesn't matter. God used him in order to give us a perfect Bible. 
And if you, you got to believe that there's a perfect Bible, because if you don't believe that there's a perfect Bible, then how are you going to know that you got the right doctrine? All right. All Bibles are not created equally. As a matter of fact, I don't think there is any other Bible but the King James a Bible for English speaking people. All right. And, and so uh, let me let me go on because I'm getting distracted. Um, what else did I want to talk about here? Well, let's let's just get right in, right into this. Let's uh, get into some proof text that we can have certainty that even if a copy of a copy of a copy of a text was made, that God still calls it scripture. You don't have to have the original, you know, 4,000-year-old scroll of Isaiah in order for it to be the, the original that, you know, the original inspired word. God has inspired copies as well, and we're going to prove that here in just a moment. I want you to turn to 2 Timothy 3, 2 Timothy 3, um, from Thessalonians, you just go to your right, you got 1 Timothy, then you get 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, and verse 16. Let me know when you're there. 2 Timothy 3 and 16, are you ready? It says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Now, we've heard that before, right? But the, the Lord is telling us that all scripture is profitable. And so you say, okay, well, all scripture. So is he just talking about all the originals? Because, you know, God inspired Moses to, to write the law of Moses, and so... That original scroll is the only perfect inspired scroll. Anything that was copied is, is not reliable. So can, can copies be reliable? Well, well, God's word is so perfect, it gives us the answer in the previous verse. Because Paul is talking to Timothy, and if you look in the previous verse, verse 15, look what the scripture says. It says, and this is Paul talking to Timothy, he says, and that from a child thou hast known the what? Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Now, here's my question. Did a child, when Timothy was a child, did he have the original uh, book of Isaiah? Did he have the original book of Ezekiel? Did he have the original book of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy? No. More than likely, he had what? Copies. But the word of God calls those copies scripture. Amen. So those copies were just as inspired as the original. Uh, uh, our King James critics argue, well, unless you have the originals, you can never be sure that, oh, yeah, we can be sure. Because we have faith to know that God had said he was going to preserve his, his word. Now, I'm going to give you something else here, too. I want to prove to you from the Bible that when it comes to making copies of Scripture, that it was God's idea to begin with. Amen. Deuteronomy 17, turn to the front of your Bible. You got Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. If you wind up in Joshua, Judges, Ruth, you've gone too far to your right. Deuteronomy 17, Deuteronomy 17. We're going to look at verse 14 for a moment. Let me know when you're there. Now, God, being omniscient and knowing everything that's going to happen, he sits outside of time. In this particular chapter, he's talking to the children of Israel about what to do when they decide to have a king. 
Now, at this time, th their mind wasn't even on having a king. And as we know, that you know, the Israel was ruled by judges, etc., when they came out of the, the, the land of Egypt. But God knows that in 1 Samuel 8, the people are going to go on strike, and they're going to say, we want a king. We want a king. God sees that coming in 1 Samuel 8. So back in Deuteronomy 17, many, many years earlier, God gives these instructions. He says in verse 14, When thou art come unto the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, and shall possess it, and shall dwell therein, and shall say, I will set a king over me, like as all the nations that are about me. And that was the argument in 1 Samuel 8. The people argued with Samuel and said, we want to be like these other heathen nations. They have kings. We want a king, right? And so anyway, if you read down there a, a little further, um, the, the, the Lord talks about, hey, I don't want you to multiply horses. I don't want you to multiply wives. But they really broke that when they had all kinds of multiple marriages and, and stuff. But then check out what God says in verse 18. Deuteronomy 17, 18. And it shall be when he sitteth upon the throne, talking about whoever the king is at that time, of his kingdom, that he shall write him a, uh-oh, a copy of this law in a book out of that which is before the priest, the Levites. That's talking about the, the law of Moses. That's talking about the Pentecost. That's talking about the, 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 the scripture that Moses wrote. Now here, God is the one who introduces making a copy. So this is an idea that just came from us King James-only Bible believers. This was established back in Deuteronomy where God said, you know, the, whatever they're using for paper, whether it's papyrus, animal skin, or whatever, over the course of time, it, it's going to deteriorate. Okay? So we need to make copies. When the ink starts to fade on this thing, we need to start making copies. And then he had the king do it because he wanted to remind the king who was really in charge. So when the king re reviewed that copy and made that copy, of course, the king had scribes to do all that, but the king still had to sign off on it, right? He would he, it would be a reminder to the king that according to God's word, that when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked bear rule, the people mourn. That's Proverbs 29 and 2. All right. And so God did that as a reminder to whoever was king. One of your jobs is to make a copy of the scriptures. So that was God's idea to do copies. Are we OK with that? OK. Now, I want to look at something else. I want you to turn to the uh, to the uh, book of Luke. Go back to the New Testament. If you don't like turning through your Bible, you're going to hate the, the rest of this. Bible study. I, I'm, I, you're, you're not going to like it at all because that's all we're going to do. Because I don't want you to hear from me. I want you to see for yourself what the Word of God says. Luke 4, Luke 4, Luke 4, Luke 4, Matthew, Mark, Luke, Luke the fourth chapter. And I want you to look at the uh, 17th verse here. Luke 4 and 17, Luke 4 and 17. Are you all there? Okay. Now in Luke 4 and 17, this is Jesus is on the scene here. It says in verse 17, And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. This is Greek for saying Isaiah. Okay? So somebody gave Jesus a book in verse 17. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. And this is Jesus reading out of the, the book of Isaiah. 
And he's saying, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me uh, to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. That's so beautiful. Verse 19, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and he gave it again to the minister and sat down. That's the part I want to talk to you about. You notice we stand up when we read. Jesus stood up and read the book of Isaiah. And then the scripture tells us he sat down. Aren't we followers of Jesus? <laughs> Why can't we do? If Jesus stands up, Jesus is the word. He was reading. He was literally reading himself. But he stood up. The respect and reverence of God's word. So shouldn't we do the same? Because the scripture tells us he, he sat down. So you can't sit down unless you first stood up. He sat down and the eyes of all of them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he, talking about Jesus, began to say unto them, This day I would love to tell you that the scriptures are fulfilled, but because this is a copy of a copy, because, you know, there's a 700-year difference between me and Isaiah. I don't know if this was the original intent of this text. Is that what he said? He said, and he began to say unto them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Now, there would be some Bible scholars uh, who would say, well, Jesus may have had the original book of Isaiah. It could have been preserved for 700 years and he could have opened the scroll. It may have been the original book. Okay, 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 whatever. All right. Let's turn to Acts, the eighth chapter. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Acts, the eighth chapter. Okay, look, look, I'll, I'll go ahead and give it to you. Let's say Jesus was reading the original. Let's say Jesus was reading the original. So I want y'all to, I want the Bible scholars, the critics to explain this one. Acts 8 and 27. Acts 8 and 27. Are you there? This is talking about the Ethiopian eunuch and how Philip, who was a church leader, came and gave him the gospel, and this Ethiopian eunuch got saved. Verse 27 of chapter 8, it says, uh, And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, and eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship. So he had just come from Jerusalem and was returning and sitting in his chariot. What, he was, what was he reading? What does that say there? Read who? Isaiah the prophet. Okay, so where did he get, get the book from? Did he go to the Jerusalem Public Library and say, hey, I'd like to check out the original 700-year-old uh, scroll of Isaiah. Here's my library card. Oh, here you go, Mr. Ethiopian. And then the Ethiopian gets the original works uh, of Isaiah, walks out the Jerusalem Library, and starts traveling back to Ethiopia. You think the Pharisees would have let him get away with that? I think he had a copy. I think he had a copy. So where am I going with this? Well, if we skip down to verse 32. The narrator, who is Luke, who is believed to be Luke for the book of Acts, he says the place of the what? The copy? The scripture is counted as scripture. More than likely, this Ethiopian eunuch did not have the original manuscript more than likely, a copy was made, and because God was in it, it was a perfect copy. Amen. And so it was still referred to as Scripture. Amen. 
Okay, I'm going to have to hurry up. Um, <laughs> Amen. Let's go to Joshua 8 and 32. Let's go backwards. We're going to go Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. Joshua. <laughs> Stop it, Joshua. Don't go any further. Don't go past Joshua. Joshua 8. Joshua 8 and 32. This is going to be the lightning round. I got to get some in here real quick. Joshua 8 and 32. Are you there? And he wrote thereupon the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he wrote in the presence of the children of Israel. Uh Uh-oh. Now, here's the thing. Joshua was a contemporary of Moses. Joshua was actually Moses' right-hand man. But yet and still, a time came where he had to make a copy of the law of Moses. Well, according to your NIV ESV Bible scholars, since it's a copy, it's not reliable. Sorry. You can't, you can't rely on it. You know, you want to bear a false witness? Go ahead, because we don't know if that's true or not. It's a copy. It was copied way back in Joshua. Uh, Jeremiah 36. Now I'm going to have to hurry. If you turn to the middle of your Old Testament, you'll get Psalms, then you get Proverbs, and then you'll get Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, and then after Isaiah comes Jeremiah, um, Isaiah, and then Jeremiah, Jeremiah 36. Jeremiah 36, and this is for, and, and, and I want you all to understand this. I'm not trying to be, um, I'm not trying to be ugly to, to, to those who um, say we don't know what we're talking about. You know, the, the people who criticize King James only people, um, they, they, whenever they, they talk about us, they never come with any Bible verses. We come with Bible verses and say this is why we believe because the Bible says God said he would preserve his word. Here it is in the Old Testament. Here it is in the New Testament. The, the people who use the ESV, NIV, and all these others, they, they never defend their point of view with, with Bible. They always def- they just do ad hominem attacks. They just say, oh, 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 you guys are a cult, or you guys are just wrong. Huh? Well, wait a minute. If, if you, you, know, you want to defend your position, show me from your Bible. Pick any one. There's 300 of them. And prove to me from your fake translation Bible that you have the truth. At least give me another point of view instead of attacking me and calling me a a cultist for believing that the King James Bible is the inerrant, infallible word of God. But they can't do that. And you know why? And I'm I'm deviating. I, I know. You stay in Jeremiah. I'll come back to it one day. You see, we as King James Bible believers, we let God's word in the form of the King James Bible be our final authority. Ask those people who, who deny the King James Bible what their final authority is. They can't give an answer. But I know the answer. The answer is they are their own final authority because they think they can say what is God's word and what isn't God's word. And if the ESV doesn't read the way they want it to read, they just switch to the NIV. And if the NIV doesn't sound good to them, they switch to the TLB. And if the TLB doesn't sound good to them, they switch to the NASB. Because you're not going to find anybody, or at least if you do, let me know. I would love to meet the individual. You're not going to find an ESV-only individual. You're not going to find an NIV-only. Oh, the NIV is the inspired. It is the only. Uh Uh-uh. 
the, the King James Bible believers, we're the only one who, who know that we have the true word of God. Amen. They know that they don't have the true word of God, but instead of repenting and getting right with God and humbling themselves and saying, you know what, I don't know why I believe that the NIV is, is just as good. Instead of just humbling themselves and admitting that they're wrong, they'd rather double down and, 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 just, and just be uh, wrong uh, doctrinally. All right? Now, um, where, where was uh, Jeremiah? Thank you very much. There's so much to cover. Jeremiah. Okay, so what's happening here in, in Jeremiah is that you have this king, and this king is going to destroy the book of Jeremiah. Look at Jeremiah uh, 22. I'm going to have to hurry up. I only got five minutes. Uh, now the king sat in the winter house in the ninth month, and there was a fire on the hearth burning before him, and it came to pass that when Jehudai had read three or four leaves, he cut it with the penknife. When it says he read three or four leaves, that's kind of like talking about pages. You know, he's, he's reading the, the different pages out of the, the book. He takes a knife to it, cuts it up, and throws it in the fire. And it says, and, uh, and until all the roll was consumed in the fire that was on the hearth. Uh-oh. Sorry, we don't have the original book of Jeremiah anymore. Why? It got burned up. What are we going to do? Oh, no panic. We don't have the originals. What are we going to do? Verse 27. Then the word of the Lord came to Barak. Came to Jeremiah after, uh, excuse me. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah after that the king had burned the roll and the words which Barak, this is the, the scribe of Jeremiah, wrote at the mouth of Jeremiah saying, take thee again another roll. This is the Lord talking to Jeremiah. Take thee again another roll and write in it all the former words that were in the first roll which Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, hath burned. Wow, that looks, you know, sometimes King James Bible believers get, oh, you guys believe in double inspiration. Well, there you go, right there. If you bother to read the Jeremiah 36 chapter, he was inspired the first time the roll got burned up. God inspired him a second time and wrote, and, but it gets worse. And then I know I got to go. Look at the last verse. Then took Jeremiah another roll, gave it to Barak the scribe, the son of Neariah, who wrote therein from the mouth of Jeremiah. I love this so much because it demonstrates 2 Peter 1 and 21, where it says, holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. The, the Holy Ghost got on these men, they started speaking, and the scribes got the scribing. Okay, this is where we get our word describe and scribe you know, scripture and everything. Okay, but anyway, verse 32, it says, uh, Then took Jeremiah another roll and gave it to Barak the scribe and the son of Neri, who wrote therein from the mouth of Jeremiah all the words of the book which Jehoiakim the, of Judah had burned in the fire. God said, hey, don't worry about it. I, rem I think I remember what I said. I think I can tell you the same thing that I said before. After all, I'm God. And there were added besides unto them many like words. Uh-oh, I thought you're not supposed to add the scripture. Well, that's true. You are not supposed to add the scripture. But God is God. God can do what he wants to. And God did exactly that. He had the former words. And then he says, Jeremiah, while we're at it, let's put some more stuff in there for the king to think about. And that's what he did. And now we have the book of Jeremiah. 
Is it the original? No. But it's still the same. It, it is still scripture. It is still inspired. Because God promises to preserve his word. Okay, I have much more, but I'm up against the clock, so I'm going to have to end. Um, I had one more for you, and maybe if I get an opportunity to, to, to come again before you, I could show you this one. Yeah, according to the book of Ezra, the fourth chapter, there are parts of the book of Ezra, the content of the book of Ezra, the original book of Ezra, is based on a copy. Now, isn't, isn't that a, a brain tw twister? Because the argument has been that we, you have the originals and then you have copies from the originals where the original Ezra is actually based on a copy. When you get a chance, read Ezra 4 and, and you'll see that in there. It's a copy, a, copy from the, a copy of a letter to the king makes up the majority of Ezra the fourth chapter, which Ezra the fourth chapter, it, when it was originally created, it was a copy of a letter to the king. So now you have an original based upon a copy and not just a copy based upon original. I would love for our King James Bible critics to answer that one for us. <laughs> Amen. But the bottom line is, I'm, I'm out of time, but the bottom line is, is that uh, let's continue, and we need to pray for these people. We need to pray for them. I'm not saying uh, disdain them the way they would disdain us or treat them the way that they would treat us. Um, the, some of the the Bibles that they use, there is some doctrine in it, but it's not all good doctrine. If you want the complete, infallible, inerrant Word of God, you need to, and for English-speaking people, you need to get you a King James Bible. And this, this book is complete. It's been tried. It's been tested. And you, you just can't do any better. If you want to grow spiritually the way the Lord would want you to grow, you need to get you a King James Bible. And... Uh, with that, I'm going to just uh, close with a word of prayer because we're over time. Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, I thank you for this opportunity, Father, to share just a, a couple of scriptures, Lord, as to why we believe the King James Bible is the inerrant, infallible word of God uh, for English-speaking people. Uh, Father, uh, I just pray, Lord, that, uh, our, our, that you would in increase our faith, Lord, and increase our resolve, Lord, and not so that, Lord, we can enter into debates with with uh, other fellow Christians who believe otherwise, but Father, that we at least know within ourselves why we do what we do, why we read what we read, and the reasoning behind what we read what we read, and it is because we believe in your word, and we believe that you are able to preserve your word, and we know that you are a God who keeps promises as well, and so Lord, I just ask right now, Lord, that uh, you would just... Uh, Touch the minds and hearts of your people and let them know, Lord, that they can uh, not only just be confident of your word, which is the King James Bible, but they can be confident uh, directly in you, Lord, knowing that you'll guide their steps, that you will order their steps, Lord, if we just turn to you. If we would just acknowledge you, Lord, in all of our ways, Father, you promised that you would direct our paths. So, Father, I pray, Lord, that that will be a word of comfort for someone here tonight who may be uh, struggling, uh, whether it's financially or uh, with health issues or otherwise, that they can turn to you, Lord, and you are a God who indeed keeps your promises just as you have preserved this precious word of God for thousands and thousands of years. Father, we love you and we adore you. It is in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.